You are listening to episode 65 of the Playing Flow podcast with Rita Hyland. Hello, I'm Rita Hyland, and you're about to discover what it means to position your business, career, and life to play full out. This show explores the way leaders just like you embrace and achieve their ambition without working harder or grinding it out any longer. So if you want to take your life, business, or career to a playing full out status and do so while being the happiest high performer in the room, then hang with me because this show shares everything you need to know using the best of neuroscience, transformational psychology, and a bit of spiritual wisdom to help you change fast, even when it's uncomfortable or scary, or you failed to do so in the past. All this so that you can enjoy more freedom and prosperity in your business and life. I'm happy you're here. Hello there, friends. I thought I'd start off today with something that you may not know about me, and that is that several years ago, I was on Oprah. Not for the reasons that my youthful, ambitious, dreamy self had always thought or wanted to be on Oprah, but I was on the show nonetheless. My daughter, with about six or seven other 12-year-olds, had been pre-selected to interview with a recognized parent coach, Dr. Shafali, as part of highlighting what turned out to be children and parent relationships. That whole understanding had not fully been communicated in advance of our doing this whole thing. But in essence, what happens in the interview that goes on is what it all boiled down to. There was this pre-selection process. I'd signed her up just to be to talk to this parent coach. And she got into chats with the producers and was interviewed by telephone. They liked her. She was obviously chatty. She always a little bit of an old soul anyways, and also had always heard my type of verbiage. So when they told me that they really liked her after Shafali interviewed her, I thought, huh, quirky, funny, maybe she's interesting. No big deal. Okay, so you understand how this goes so far. We take her downtown. She sits for a few hours with these other kids, and they get filmed and have interviews with Dr. Shafali. Then what happens is three or four weeks later, the parents go downtown and to Oprah's studio, and that's where the real show is going to occur, and they have... Oprah and Dr. Shafali. Now, before this happens, I'm called several times throughout those weeks before to make sure I'm comfortable with, while they aren't going to share what she shared in her interviews, am I comfortable with, you know, her being exposed and all these things being said? Absolutely. I mean, what had happened to this child that that would be that big of a deal? None. So then uh, probably the week before they say they really want to make sure that both my husband and I are there, not just me. And that we're both in the audience during this filming. And I said, all righty. I did notice that some of the other parents were not being asked to have that same thing occur. But I thought, no big deal. We get closer. We actually, let's just go fast forward. Lots of calls before. But then I, we get down there. Producers go through the same conversation with us. And then I notice that, you know, I really am with this, all this, this huge audience that's going to be seated. We're waiting in a waiting room and I'm expecting to go in and see this as much of a movie as they are. No, no. Then the producer comes up and says, Hey, we're going to have, I need these two people, Mr. and Mrs. Highland to be mic'd up and I want them in the first row. And that's when I thought, Oh my word. 
he's in trouble. And my cortisol dropped. I said, what's going on? What have I done? And I looked at my husband. He's like, oh, never thought this was the greatest idea, but here we are. So humorous, sort of laughing, but I turned to him and I said, look, you are not to talk during this interview. I know enough about my husband, a little, oh, got a little Phil Dumpy. There's some one-liners that I thought just cannot possibly be said to the world and misunderstood and then used ongoing in a bleep session. So I decided, I was like, you don't talk. I'm to talk. Do you get that? He was joyfully and willfully conceding. I certainly didn't want to talk, but knew I could probably save us if the ship was sinking. Anyways, so... Unbelievably, you can imagine, show opens, uh, uh, what is it, a screen in front of us, probably th- three stories high, is shown, and there is my daughter in the first person talking to Shafali, seated right next to her during this interview process. And then the punchline comes, and she says, sometimes I wish my mom wouldn't in essence, just fix my problem. Sometimes I wish she'd just listen and give me, and together Shafali and her say, like they're looking into each other's eyes longingly, a hug. And I was just, you know, my mouth dropped. I was like, hold it together. And Oprah looks back, introduces my husband and I, and says, we have Castaway's parents in the audience. And I'd like to ask you both, how do you feel when you hear your daughter say that? How did I feel? I felt badly, not just because this was being highlighted by Oprah in front of an international audience, but also, of course, because I was somewhat not entirely surprised because I knew I had this tendency of of doing a lot, of accomplishing, of achieving, of raising two other children, of working and managing life. And I, however, realized I was missing the mark in this relationship, this important relationship. I was not listening. What I'm saying is that I know what it's like to think that you're doing and giving your best in a relationship, maybe even giving all or everything for those most important to in your family. Maybe it's your team. Maybe it's even those you serve. All those things that you think are the right things to do and still the relationship isn't purring. Today's episode is an invitation to clean up and cultivate, even catapult your most important relationships into a new stratosphere of greatness. But it isn't going to be by doing it the way that you think. The reason for this conversation is because what we know is that success without also maintaining our relationships leaves us failing at life. Our relationships are the things that give us purpose. Research has shown this. There's there's tons of science behind this. Without connection, we lose our bearings. You're following? We get our meaning from our human connection. Even as much as we have the strive to succeed and to achieve and to impact and to positively contribute, if we aren't doing that in our most personal places and meaningful places, then everything else is not worthy. It isn't really success. Today, I want to give you an essential practice for finding and bringing back and cleaning up any relationships. Because what I am acutely aware of right now is that 
there is a lot of stress that is still being pulled on relationships. And I know that we people are losing that energy to sustain them. The first essential practice and what I want to clear up here is that when you are cleaning up or cultivating or catapulting your relationship to your ideal status, whatever that is, you have to stop focusing on what the other person in your relationship is doing wrong. You have to start looking at who you are being in that relationship. That's where you're going to get the most significant shift. Nothing can change on the external until there is something shifting and changing within you. And this may sound backward in your mind. It may even seem like heresy. The other person is broken in need of being fixed. They need me to do things. That's just your ego that's getting riled up, okay? Our habit is to focus on what's not working on the outside and to try to fix it. You saw me. I was trying to fix or do things in order to keep a relationship going. It's easy to blame others when things in our relationships aren't working, but when we do, we're incapable of really seeing the ultimate solution and the real solutions that are going to take us over the, the line to our ideal relationship, our personal utopia. It's in these situations that we need to further our self-awareness, not go do something. We need to look at and adjust our own relationship identity, who in fact we are being in the relationship. What I'm saying is we don't need more relationship resilience. We need less relationship self-deception. I was talking to a man who is experiencing success at work, but he asked that I reserve some time for conversation on his personal world just recently. And when we got to that point in the conversation, he said, I'm at my wit's end in my relationship. My wife's at her wit's end. We have kids that aren't sleeping well. We are exhausted. Work's intense. We do enjoy our work, but we've tried everything. We've done the things. We've given each other space. We've asked each other for what we need. You know, the top five lists that when how to save a relationship. We've looked for the positive in the others. We've, we've gone, you know, on trips. And he went on reciting the things they've done. And I too can give you a list of five things. I love lists, you know, I love checklists to improve your relationship. And you can be excited to go try them out. But here's what I know. They may even work for a day or two, but then you're going to notice something a week later when the same issues are arising. And there's a reason for this. It's because changing what you're doing will not change a relationship until you change who you are being in that relationship, until your, your perspectives, your habits, your characteristics, your desire to be present, your, pers- your curiosity, your willingness, all till that aligns, you can go do checklist things. It's not about what you're doing. It's who you're being in the relationship that really matters. When you think you need to do something or that the other person needs to change, you're really blind to the real solutions. And the only antidote to this in these cases is self-awareness. The supreme question we must ask ourselves when we're looking at a relationship where there's resistance or there's a challenge is who am I being in this relationship? That is the first and most essential place and practice from which we must start. For example, do you give to yourself what you want from another? Or are you waiting for that other person to do it for you or to say it to you? Do you respect, and is this reflected in your talk and actions? Do you respect you? Are you therefore respecting the other person? Do you give to another what you want in return? 
Do you want respect? Are you giving yourself respect? Are you giving them respect? It's a very fair world. You give what you get. We've talked about this before. Do, do you should on others? Do you have expectations of them? Think they should be doing something else or they should do this. That is from a place of low grade, low vibe fear. Do you need to be right? Just notice, does your ego need to be right? Are you, do you have a willingness or curiosity or an openness to understand some other person's perspective? Are you willing to put yourself in their shoes? Do you look for others' flaws rather than what's great about them? You know, where you focus is what you are going to experience. I have a tendency of only looking what where things are going right in my relationship. I mean, for the 90% of the time, I have my, my moments as well. But I tend to think that the reason that I have a strong relationship is because I'm looking for what is going right, what this person does well. You know, our relationships are clearly a reflection of ourselves and who we're being. And while one person can't change another person, one person can change the relationship. And that is powerful information. That is powerful to know because oftentimes we sit in relationships very much as victims. Like this is happening to me and this person just needs to be fixed or I just need to do this checklist of things to write this. As human doings, we want to go fix or do something to fix a relationship or another person. And there are times I have been in this exact same boat where it's much easier to actually do things than it is oftentimes to sit in the emotional struggle or pain of another person or hurt, right? It's much easier. And and oftentimes we are not just addicted to work, we're addicted to exercise or we're addicted to things that distract us from having to sit and be with ourselves or be in the presence of another without being able to fix it. I have been in spaces where even with, uh, there'll be some wisdom that I hear that I'm like, oh, I got to go home and say that to my daughter or another person in my, you know, in my home front. And so I can, this will change something or this will fix something. What I recognize is that that is a momentary situation. Am I going to align my entire being, my identity, how present I am, how, how curious I am, how interested I am in hearing and how well I listen? Am I going to align and change all those things to align with that statement? Or is that just a, uh, you know, a top level superficial, temporary band-aid. What I'm saying is that we need less relationship resilience and band-aids to fix the momentary situation, and we need greater self-awareness. We need to dive deeper into the wart. If you just if you just placate and you know peel off the top wart, you know that the, if the root's still there, it's going to grow back. So what I want you to do right now, I want you to stop for a moment. I want you to just to let everything else go. I've just told you that relationships are your most important meaning and purpose, the connection that you have. They're the only reason that you're ultimately going to be happy and live a long, prosperous life. So I want you to think of a relationship that you'd like to improve. What is your ideal vision? What's your ideal picture of this relationship with that person? We all know you can't hit a target, you can't see, but very often we do not have a picture of what a really good relationship looks like with the individual. Instead, we sit there and swim in the current circumstances and situations, and we continue to maintain them because we can't see the real solution to the problem. And we're often in a space of just trying to get to be right. Again, just do something. So 
This next question, once you have identified one, the person who's with whom you want to improve your relationship, and I don't care if this is from faulty to fine or fine to fabulous, wherever that is and wherever you score your relationship, choose the person, identify what a magnificent utopian relationship looks like with them so that you can actually inform yourself and have some a target to hit. And then the next question, and you can write this down because it's that important, is who is it that you would need to be in order to show up for this relationship? In other words, do you think that people who have that ideal relationship that you're looking for are operating as you are currently? Are they doing and being the person that you're being right now? And if not, what's the identity of someone who has that relationship? In other words, do they catch the little and big things that are great about the person? Do they thank the person? Do they Are they being present for the person? Do they make this person a priority? Do they invest in the relationship? Do they schedule time for meaningful conversation? Who are they being? Are they there to support and make and help that person unleash their best self? Those are the, it's, those are the questions. Who is that person? I want for you to be able to hold on to your relationships. This is really important. I want you to know that only that you can make it through, that you can make it and enhance your relationships to be much more than you ever possibly imagined. But it's not going to be from the other person being fixed or changed. It's going to come from, and it's going to all begin with you. What I learned that day, also in Oprah's studio with her asking me that question, is that my five-star doing, any success I was having and, and, and achieving will never replace who I'm being in that relationship. I can do all the things that you think you need to do for a child and provide and give, but if I, who am I being in connection with that relationship? And is it congruent with my ideal experience? Am I present? Am I interested? Now, there are some very actionable ways and things that you can do. You know I like practical and actionable. So I'm going to give you a few things. Ultimately, one of the biggest essential practices that you can have is cultivating your ability to listen, to actively listen. I learned that day how bad I had been at truly listening, at least in the eyes of this child. So I want you to to think, am I seeking to hear or am I seeking to truly understand the person? One of the, 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 the things I think of today and one of the outcomes is that stop, drop, and listen. Stop. Schedule a time. What gets scheduled gets done. We know this. So set a time to to, listen to two people. Listen to yourself. For me, that works early in the morning. For me, that works when I have my noise canceling (laughs) headphones on. That works when I am, um, after I've exercised, when I've given myself space and I hear things, I hear solutions. The other person to schedule time with is stop and schedule time with that person that is means something to you. Invest in them so that you can be able to truly listen. And this is where the drop comes. Drop what you think the answer is, what your head says. Listening doesn't mean fixing. It doesn't mean, you know, trying to solve something while the other person's talking or thinking about how you're going to respond. You know, you know you're not doing a good job listening when you're looking for the errors in another person's thinking or when you're assuming you know what the other person's going to say next. And maybe you interrupt to tell another person what just came to your mind. 
right? We all have been probably guilty of this, you know, or we interrupt to finish their sentence. Be and practice and be aware of how well you're listening. This third step is to listen. Stop, drop, and listen. Listen, the third here, when you listen, seek to understand what you're actually listening to, not just what you're hearing. I encourage you to listen at a much deeper level when you're struggling in a relationship or there's a person that seems hard to deal with in your workplace or even at a hockey rink for that matter. You hear an angry person. I promise you that there's a story there. There's something underneath that. Find out more about the person that you want to avoid or that you're having a struggle with right now. Don't assume that you know everything And don't assume just to get it done, to move past it, to achieve it, or put a temporary Band-Aid on something. Seek to understand, not just to hear, and understand that their story can help you engage with others in a deeper way as well, both personally and professionally. When you start to hear their story, you can also start to appreciate your own story. You've got to do things without leaping to conclusions. We want to move so fast in this world that our relationships are taking a hit. They are taking a toll. And it's it's painful because our relationships are a, a reflection of us. And so it's painful sometimes to look at ourselves. Well, our ego finds it painful. Our true self never does. So demonstrate also when you're doing this, your own vulnerable sharing of your story so that others can match you. Listen, expose, you can say at the end, has, is there anything more? Is there anything else that, I, that you want to share? And if you're on a team, get together regularly and have people share their stories. Share openly and benefit from your connectedness. The lesson, again, that I took that day is it's actually being is harder than doing. That it's, it's my habit to work hard. It's our habit to get things accomplished. It's a habit. And we're doing that too often with our relationships. And that's why they're suffering. And I will tell you, you know, you cannot do any of this. You cannot listen well. You cannot be present. You cannot be the person that you need to be in a relationship without first taking care of yourself. So if there's a triangle, the foundation is always self-care. It's always you. Then the next echelon is your relationship with your significant other. And then it is taking care of teams, children, anything else. And oftentimes we invert that. We invert that. And we, when we need to come back down and have a significant amount of self-care for ourselves, because you can't give what you don't have, you got to fill your own gas tank. You've heard it before, but it's, it's baseline. And, and sometimes in this compulsion to be a society that is driven to accomplish we are suffering and out of the habit of knowing and doing what it is that's even the best of us for us. So here's the thing. What, when you've agreed to say, I am going to start with me and I'm going to start and, and end this relationship self-deception that I've been in, some of the questions that you can ask yourself while you're in that reflection period is, is you know what you're doing your actions, are they expanding or are they deflating another person's self-esteem? What, what are you doing in that? Are you contributing or contaminating? And what can you do to be more present in your relationships? What can you do to be actually there? 
And where would being more vulnerable in your relationship or in your parenting or in your leadership serve you? Where would it serve you to be more vulnerable? So there's three things there. How am I building or destroying people's self-esteem? Am I willing to look at that? Where can I be more present? And where can I be more vulnerable so that I can raise and upgrade and elevate my current relationships? The answer to clearing up and caring for your relationships doesn't have to do, again, with you doing anything else. I don't need to give you a five-point bullet thing on go take your wife to dinner or go do something special for your significant other or partner or spouse. None of that. Stop, drop, listen, both to yourself and to others. Your call to action right now is to identify your ideal relationship with that person and then identify who you would need to be in order to have that relationship. And then from there, that's that being is where you can start doing. It's going to usher in a whole bunch of answers that you and solutions that you may not have considered before. It will also calm you because you'll realize I don't there I'm not suffering from not being able to do something. There's no inadequacy that you have. So start with your vision in mind and the good news is that you're 100% influential and responsible for changing 50% of the relationship. That gives you back a ton of influence and positive power, right? I want to encourage you to, to, to end the days of trying to fix or solve your relationship issues by circumstantially changing, you know, the, the situation. It's much bigger than that. Go out to your vision in any relationship that you have. I promise you when you do that, you're going to have the real meaning and fulfillment of what success looks like. And you'll be able to unleash a greater amount of your impact and uh, purpose in the world. Have a delightful week. Enjoy that new perspective and assisting and upgrading your relationships. I will look forward to talking to you next week. Thank you for being with me today. By you listening to this, it tells me you're interested in growing yourself and likely not just for yourself, but to positively influence others as well. If you enjoyed this podcast, go ahead and share this with your friends and colleagues. When leaders like you grow yourself and then grow others, we all are positively impacted. If you have questions, I'm here to answer them and may even use them in our upcoming podcasts. Go ahead. You can send those questions to Breakthrough at RitaHighland.com. Remember, a half version of you is not enough. The world needs the full version of you at play. I look forward to seeing you on our next podcast.